The moment the glory of God moves and people start to get free, others get uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable because God is out of the box. So we're not going to be like the Holy Spirit police with every move trying to put God in a box. See, people always try to control what they don't understand. You become the one that gets placed under a spirit of judgment, and it limits your ability to walk in freedom, though you were free. You can't be placed under that judgment because that judgment, it's not coming from God, and it's literally putting a muzzle over your mouth. It's muting you. It's literally robbing you from the boldness that God wants you to walk in. But at the same time, we're not going to dishonor the Holy Spirit and not think that if he has called us to be one with him, that we have his heart, we have his mind, then we should know what he is doing at any moment in time. Sometimes people are offended by the freedom that you carry. The disciples closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they saw the glory of God for the first time at the transfiguration. Some of you guys know already where I'm going to go with this, but it's just I want you to just listen here for a moment. They fell over by the power of God, and they were slain on their faces to the ground. That's just one incident in the Bible where, or one incident in the Bible where this is discussed. This is not the only place, but they fell over, right? Slain, face to the ground. They saw the clouds of glory surrounding them, the presence of God, and they heard the voice, a voice, it was the voice of God, coming out of a cloud, out of a cloud. We read this, and we just kind of read through it, but you got to realize this literally happened, right? There is a voice, the voice of God, speaking out of the cloud that just appeared, and then they see something. They see the face of Jesus, and he's just beaming, right? White, bright, bright, shining like the sun. It's incredible. And then his clothes become so white, right? Incredibly white as the light. Then it doesn't stop right there. Then he starts to speak, right? They, they then see Moses and Elijah coming back from the dead, and then they're talking with Jesus. Like, there's just all these ands to the story. And then this, and then this, and then this. And you're just going, really? Like, that's a lot of activity, Holy Ghost activity, happening in one encounter. Wouldn't you say so, church? Yes. They were surrounded by a Holy Ghost outpouring. They were surrounded by a Holy Ghost outpouring, except they were afraid. All this stuff was happening. But they were afraid. So what did they do? They tried to stop it. I'm going to explain to you how they tried to stop it here in a moment. They tried to put God back into a box. Peter says, let's build three tabernacles. A tabernacle, a booth, a box. Let's build three structures so we can contain this. Yes. We think tabernacle, but then we don't really realize what he's actually saying. God was hidden far away in the tabernacles before, in the tabernacle, in a box. Let's hide him again. Let's keep him boxed. Boxed behind the veil so you don't have to see this. You don't have to experience. So 
Peter goes and says, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to build, you know, three tabernacles. No, we don't need to help God out when God is pouring out his spirit, when God is lavishing, when he is saying, listen, I have a group of people, I have a body of people that just want more. They're hungry. They've been pursuing. They've been pressing in. They believe. I'm not going to box. I'm not going to stop this. But mankind sometimes wants to. So too many church people, they, they, they react the same way. Like I want you to think about this story, okay. I want you to think about what, what I'm saying here. They, so many times people don't want to deal with healing or with deliverance and really genuinely just getting people set free. Because they don't understand it. It gets messy, right. The moment the glory of God moves and people start to get free, others get uncomfortable. You all know what I'm talking about. Maybe not necessarily here on a regular basis, at least here, but you do know what I'm talking about. They want it to stop. They, they want to put a lid on it, right? They're uncomfortable because God is out of the box. At that moment, the God is out of the box, right? They're more comfortable in a dead church. Isn't that true? There's so many people, and we know, we know plenty of them. They're uncomfortable in a church where you have to trust the Holy Spirit to move, and we do. You have to give him permission to move, and we do. You know, in other words, you're not going to block him from moving, right? But there's so many places where the, uh, no, 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 control is the, is the objective, right? One gets free, but you know what? No, control, it becomes too, it becomes too crazy, too, too wild. So, yeah, a controlled environment keeps stagnation in place. But movement fosters change. So I want to say that again because I need to say this again. A controlled environment, it, it keeps stagnation in place. But movement fosters change. So as we allow God to move our hearts, as we allow God to touch our hearts, heal our hearts, right? as we allow God to open up our understanding to the truth and what he is doing, right? Movement fosters change, right? But instead it's keep Jesus to yourself. Why do you have to pray in tongues? Why do you need to lay hands? You know, why do you have to be so radical when you pray? Why do you have to be so crazy? You know, it's that kind of mentality. Stagnation brings death. Only in, in, only in movement is there life. I mean, that's true, true. You just go to a body of water. Stagnant waters brings death, right? So in the Old Testament, some were afraid of the glory because they would drop dead if they had sin in their lives. I'm making, I'm causing you guys to think, I know. This is good. Say it's good. <laughs> so today, some are still afraid of the glory because they know it will require something from them. Yeah. Operating in the glory requires death to self. <laughs> Okay, it, it requires death to others' opinions about you. You need to stop worrying about what people think about you. It, it requires death to your own comfort zone. You will be uncomfortable. Say, I will be uncomfortable. I'm going to get used to being uncomfortable. I'm going to get comfortable in what I used to be uncomfortable in. So it, death to the fear of man. You cannot have the fear of man and think you're still going to walk in the glory of God. No, there's going to be, because the enemy will see to it, right? Death to people-pleasing. Stop with trying to please people, including your own family members. 
This is usually where it happens, right? So we have to stop trying to please those that are the closest to you because they don't understand you or the way you worship. Death to the need to be accepted. So God doesn't want to live in a box. He wants to live in the heart of man. He wants to live in your heart. We know he lives in our hearts, right? But this is his desire, that he lives in the heart of man, not in a box, right? Amen? Jesus had to be taken up to heaven before they, meaning the disciples, were ready to walk in the power of God's glory. Think about this for a moment. They walked with him three and a half years. And then now they see this, this whole encounter and they're going, I don't know about this. It says they were afraid. We're going to read it in a moment. So he had to be taken up to heaven. Jesus had to be taken up to heaven before they his closest disciples were ready to really walk in what he was showing them. It's called at Pentecost, they had their second chance. <laughs> and they were ready. Praise God, they were ready. Boldness filled them at Pentecost, did it not? Boldness filled them. They would not stop preaching Jesus with signs and wonders following no matter what the cost. Did they understand finally? Absolutely. So now I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 17 because I wanted to lay this out because sometimes we'll read a passage that we've read many times and we don't always allow for what else God wants to teach us in that same familiar passage. So that's why I wanted to lay this out first. So Matthew 17, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. I mean, nothing is impossible with God. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, there could have been other reasons as to why he said that. I'm just looking at it from one, one side, right? This is not the only uh, conclusion that you can take from this. But we do need to think, Lord, because, you know, I believe that God is speaking to us on multiple levels all the time. And we need to have understanding to be able to let him to speak to us in, in various ways. So he says, yeah, one for all of you. While he was still speaking, verse 5, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. That's the voice of God coming out of a cloud. Imagine if the room was filled with clouds and then all of a sudden we hear a voice coming out of that cloud. Like put yourself in the story. This is what happened. Clouds start to fill in. You know, someone starts to beam white, white, white. You're just looking at him going, his clothes, his face, everything blinding white, right? And then the cloud talks. Like this is reality. This is what really happened. And this is not something that's just a one-time occurrence, right? Wow. So when the, when the disciples heard it, they all heard the voice of God. They heard the voice but it says, they fell on their faces and they were greatly afraid. Right? They were afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, do not be afraid. 
And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Yeah. It's a religious spirit that wants you to fit in and act like everyone else. It's a religious spirit. But the Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, he who... He who says he abides in him. So if we say we abide in Jesus, right, we abide in him, then we will also walk with him. We will also be as he is. First John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Well, Jesus did a lot of things that offended a lot of people. Just as he walked. Just as. Not kind of sort of. No, just as. He offended a lot of people. He, he is free, not was free. He is free, right? The author of freedom, right? Gives it to us. But he walked in a manner that we are called to walk in, no matter what, right? And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But then in Ephesians 5, 1, it tells us to be imitators of God. We're called to be imitators of God. So some, go, some will go the opposite way and corrupt the power of God. Oh, listen, I, I want you to just stick with me here for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that each and every one will hear exactly what you have for them tonight, God, and that it will go deep, Lord God, that they will get exactly, Lord, what you're speaking, because I know that you are. Well, these are the ones who are all about being radical, those that have perverted the power of God. All about, being, all about being radical, but do they honor the word of God? Do they honor the spirit of God? Because you've got two camps of people here. You've got the camp that is just afraid and they want to control what they don't understand, box what they don't understand. But then you have the other side that wants to, hey, everything goes and then it's just like crazy, just for crazy's sake, right? Dishonoring to the word, dishonoring to the Lord, right? Their perception of, of truth is off. You know, as a result, they turn many away from the authentic power of God. And don't tell me that none of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That some of your kids feel like this is exactly what's happened because they've seen somebody abuse the power of God. Or they've seen somebody be ridiculous and call it God, and it wasn't God. And it has left. It's tainted them. It's, it's, unfortunately, it has given them a bad taste, right? So you've got both camps. You've got those that just want to stop it and shut it down, the religious spirits, right? And then you have the, and they're afraid. It's, it's just, fear is always the root of both sides of this, right? I don't like what you're doing. You're way too radical. No, that wasn't God. But fear keeps them from really pressing in, right? I don't like what you're doing. I don't understand it. So I'm going to stop it. It's still fear, right? So we're not going to be like the Holy Spirit police with every move trying to put God in a box, trying to put, you know, God in a box. But at the same time, we're not going to dishonor the Holy Spirit and not think that if he has called us to be one with him, that we have his heart, we have his mind, then we should know what he is doing at any moment in time. Amen. We should know. We should have the, uh, the assurance. We should have the security. Like, at least you would be able to know whether you have the peace of God. If you're not sure, at least you should go by this. Does he or is he giving you peace? 
is that peace bearing witness? Is that peace in your spirit? You know when you get used to walking on the peace of God when it's not there. You know when it's not there. Right? So we're going to honor God. We're going to honor his word. We're going to honor God. We're going to honor his word. We're going to be submitted to God not only on a heart level but on a head level. Knowledge, right? We're going to be submitted to God. When he moves in ways that others misunderstand, your intimacy with him is going to keep you connected to what the truth is and your, your discernment will grow because you're truly in step with him. It's a beautiful thing to be able to walk as I'm talking about. See, people always try to control what they don't understand. It's nothing new. Don't allow yourselves, though, to be placed under a judgment. So that's what happens to you sometimes if you let it. You become the one that gets placed under a spirit of judgment, and it limits your ability to walk in freedom, though you were free. You were free, you were walking in freedom, you were bold, you were telling them all about Jesus and expecting the miracles and everything, and then someone said something and something happened and you stopped. And you just like you took a step back. Who knows what I'm talking about or has experienced what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's, it's painful, it's hurtful, but at the same time, you can't be placed under that judgment because that judgment doesn't, it's not coming from God. And it's literally putting a muzzle over your mouth. It's muting you. It's literally robbing you from the boldness that God wants you to walk in. God wants us to walk in boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. But we have to understand what is truly of God and not, and not pervert the move of the spirit. And also not just shut it down because you're, you don't like it. Because you don't understand it. There is a place where we walk, and that is literally in sync with Holy Spirit. And he teaches us all the time. He's teaching us all the time. Amen? So, again, with people that are trying to put this judgment on you, love doesn't have to agree. Love doesn't have to agree. You can love someone but not agree with them. Happens all the time. You can love somebody but not agree with them. It's going to hinder your union with them, of course, because the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed, right? So it's going to limit your, your, your ability to really see eye to eye and walk together in, in unity, of course. But love doesn't necessarily have to agree. How many understand what I'm saying? So like you can choose to disagree. You can love the person but hate the sin, right? Are we all following what I'm saying? So we're called to walk this way. We're called to walk in love. The more that we receive the love of God, the more we can give that out, though. The more that we have been loved by God and accepted that love, the more that we can give out. But it's healthy love. It has standards. It has boundaries. It doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to be dishonored. Because it's not you necessarily they're dishonoring. It's the spirit of God that you carry. People get, they forget. It's like they think it's just them. It is not just you. You are walking, or at least you should be, in complete unity with Holy Spirit. As he is, so are you in this world. 
And so when you walk together as one with the Holy Spirit, that right there is two walking together in agreement, right? When someone says something about your faith or about the way you express your, your, your love for Jesus, you know, you have to know they are really attacking the character and the nature of Christ in you. They're really trying to subdue because they're trying to shut you down because they're trying to shut him down. So we don't react in the flesh. We don't let our flesh be what dictates. We need to make sure that we realize, you know what, they hated Jesus. Of course they're going to hate me. Of course he comes to bring division, to bring that sword. So what do we do? We love even though we don't agree. We don't agree with what's wrong. We don't partner with what's wrong. We don't, we don't play that mixture. But we still love the individual. And we still give the truth. Because it is always the love of God. As Christians, we are always measured by the love of God that we carry and by the love of God that we give out. You'll know that you're healed and you're the, your maturity, you'll know how mature you are by the amount of love that you really truly walk in and truly give out. But again, every time I say love, I always feel like I have to qualify it because it's like love is not sloppy agape, right? Love is not okay, then everything goes and you just allow anything because you're supposed to love. No, right? So we're called to walk in the power of God. This is 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. I want to read you this scripture. We're called to walk in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. It says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm going to read this again. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. There's demonstration and there's power. That your faith, say my faith, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God wants to get the glory from everything in your lives. And we will give him the glory and we won't let someone else dishonor the spirit of God that we carry. You will not, do not, let someone dishonor the spirit of God that you carry. But don't you be that person that says crazy things and calls it Jesus when it's not. Just because you want attention. Just because you want someone to think, look at how spiritual I am. Look at how holy, how anointed I am. No, you're just in the flesh. So we have to know the difference. But you know what? If you really love him, and I know you do, and you want him to, and you want him to use you in great ways, stay in a place of humility. Know that God is a God of compassion, and he moves in compassion, and he wants to move through you through the compassion of God for the individual. But the demon, that's a whole nother story. You're going to take authority and you're not going to hold back. But for the individual, God wants you to move in compassion. Because you know what? Some just don't.
they haven't been touched by the love of God to the degree you have been. So they can't understand your expression of praise. It's foreign to them. Why is your church at least three hours long and it's twice a week? You mean to tell me you spend six hours of your week in church? There's no like, you don't have to spend three hours. It just happens to be how long our end, ours ends up being just about every time. I mean, it sometimes goes longer than three hours. It just depends on what the Holy Ghost is doing, right? You know, but I know for us, it's like we just want more. We just, we just, yeah, our feet, we just feel like our feet are just barely in the water. No, we need more. We need more, right? We're hungry. Yeah, we're hungry. So I started this off by saying, you know, that there's some just want to put, they want to put Jesus in a box. They want to put the move of the spirit in the box, right? And I, and I use the whole thing with transfiguration, um, you know, and Peter saying, hey, let's build this tabernacle, which is kind of like a box, right? Let's put Jesus, let's put God back in that box, you know? Um, and that's just one point that you can draw from this story, right? Well, what about the woman who broke the alabaster box? And she lavished Jesus with her fragrant oil. <laughs> she broke the box. And it was costly. And she was ridiculed. They didn't understand it. Why? Because they didn't like her worship. They didn't like the way this woman worshiped. Why do you have to do? Do you know what you just did? Do you know what you could have done with that money? Yeah. I lavish my Jesus with it and give him all my praise. Yes, I will give him my all. You better believe it. And I don't care what people say or think. But what did Jesus say about this woman? He said that wherever the gospels were preached, that what she did was going to also be spoken forever. Wow. Jesus affirmed. He says, this is what I called worship, true worship. Let's turn to Matthew 26. I just love this story. Matthew 26 and verse 13. Verse 13 says, assuredly, this is what Jesus said, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. We're always going to remember how this woman lavished Jesus with her praise. We're always going to remember that Jesus says, this is what I call worship. Everyone else had a word for this, for her, right? And it wasn't very nice. They were ridiculing her. They were saying, why would you be so wasteful? Why? They didn't like it. Because they were wanting to put Jesus in the box. And instead, she broke the box. So what is it going to be for you? We're not putting Jesus in a box. We're going to break the box, meaning our fragrant worship is going to rise up. Meaning that we're not going to hold back our expression of praise. We're going to lavish him for it all, through it all. But we're not going to be radical just to be radical. We will walk in dignity. We'll walk with, with integrity. We will walk knowing that we literally serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that our calling is to give him glory in everything that we do Every single moment of our lives, not just when you're here at church, right? All the time, because he is with you.